0: Hi, I'm Patricia Quinn, Magenta from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and check our gruesome Herzog and John Gilling. Woo! Hello. Have you checked the children? What? Hello, could you get me the police? Well, it's so not you do about it down here. Right?
1: Have you checked the children?
2: He's
3: watching me through the windows. If he
1: calls again, we can try to trace it. Why haven't you checked the children?
3: Please can't you help me?
4: I'm all alone here.
0: What do you want?
2: Your blood. Jill, this is Sergeant Sacker. We've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. Jill, you know, just get out of that house.
5: and the terror just
1: begins when a stranger calls
6: hello everyone this is gruesome and gilling our very special guest is a lovely talented an icon to people in the horror industry film industry period it's the lovely Rutanya alda Rutanya, how are you
0: I'm I'm fine. I just have a terrible cold. but Other than that, I'm really feeling good. <laughs> I was just in London. I just flew back last night, yesterday, and uh, but I was not sick in London. I was well in London. <laughs> Isn't that how it always is? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the plane. Whatever happens in the plane with all those things flying around. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, I loved it. I had a great time.
6: Great. I mean, it's obviously you're from one of the iconic films. A deer hunter but uh i was watching amityville hard Two uh two or three weeks ago where it was we were very excited to have you on
0: oh well that's wonderful thank you so much it's fun i'm, <coughs> I'm glad you've gotten hold of me all right well thank you hi retainers nice it's nice, of you hi, John. To,
7: it's nice of, to be speaking to you uh obviously as gruesome said an icon not to just us two but many many people out there um i like to start off with how you originally got into acting.
0: Well, I, I something I always wanted to do since like I was five or five or six years old. I saw my first play, I saw my first movie, and I said, "Oh my gosh, there's a whole other world out there." It was like, uh, it was like magical almost. And I said, "That's what I want to do. Is I want to act." And that never wavered. A lot of people, you know, it's very common uh, for people. That, want to do 10 or 15 things as kids and and they don't know quite what 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 they want to do but i always just knew that that's what i wanted to do and so when i finished college i was 19 years old and i came i went to new york because at that time well, i had a choice either go to new york or to los angeles because that's sort of the two centers of where the acting was happening and so but I, I went to new york because i wanted to study with the best teachers And they were all in New York. And so I I did that. I studied with almost every great teacher over the course of the next many years. And um, so that was my commitment (laughs) to uh, trying to be as good an actor as I could be.
6: Well, one thing that I will say real quick that's amazing about your career is it starts in '68. That's the year I was born. I'm not saying, (laughs) but you're but you're with a lot of icons. You know, you did work for Brian De Palma. That's your first film. We'll get into it. But for a guest on our show, I mean, I've interviewed like Sybil Danning. You know, another icon in the same era. It's just amazing for the movies that you've done and who you work with. I think that's one of the most impressive things about your resume.
0: Oh well, thank. You. I have worked with some wonderful people, and believe me, it's a pleasure to work with them. And and they are a lot of them are legends. You know, they become Brian De Palma and I worked together with Bobby De Niro uh, in Greetings. We we're all like unknowns, and it was um it was just a movie that that he did and happened to. It's interesting because Brian released really st- Greetings as a comedy. And Brian started out with comedies, and even the sequel, Hi Mom, which I was in, was a was a black comedy. But it's interesting to see that he started out that way with his very unique sense of humor, and then he went into the the Alfred Hitchcock type movies. But uh, we were all just starting out, young and energetic, and and he made uh, Greetings on Short Ends, which is the films. That was left over by the movie makers, but, you know, two, three, four, five minutes. Brian bought the short ends to make his movie greetings, and so when we set up, Brian says, "You got two minutes to do the scene. That's all the film I have on this." <laughs> so it was, it was sort of an improv. It was very much of an improvisational movie. But I mean, he had the story, but we we did re- really all the dialogue and stuff was improv by by the actors.
7: Yeah. Um, well, we've covered the first two films. After that is your first film with uh, Al Pacino.
1: The intersection at Broadway and 72nd Street on New York's West Side is officially known as Sherman Square. It's called Needle Park. It is here in the neighborhood of Needle Park that drug addicts live and steal and hustle and somehow manage to exist from one day to the next. And it's here that Bobby and helen find each other
3: oh sometimes i think well i had done such and such or i hadn't done such and such that i i never would have met bobby but that's not the point is it i mean i would have met bobby always some bobby or another i was looking for him i don't know if you understand what i mean but uh, bobby made me feel necessary safe How's it feel to steal yourself Twelve dollars. Come on. I'll give you $15, okay? Asta, I'm a dope addict. I heard that before. Why don't you give me something new? I'm a sex-crazed dope fiend. Howard, <laughs> I'm the supplier.
4: Man, I tell you. I said, don't blow this one, man. Man, we're gonna
3: have stuff coming out of our ears. Not in time to get either one of us straight today. Bobby never told you about a panic, did he? Everybody raps. Hutch well, fixed it. He Santa works everything. And he got Bobby to cop a plea, non-felonious possession. Six months, that's the best he could do. I tried to see Bobby, but I never got a chance to explain... Hello? ...to him, Bobby. I won't hit you. ...what it's like to need someone. I can't stand anybody hitting me. me. You can only betray someone you need. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. you to score for me? You're not just asking me to score for you. You're asking something else. What am I asking? You're asking how much I'll do for you. Well, I won't tell you I've been straight. I haven't. But I need Bobby. I mean,
7: we need each other. <laughs> I was the Babe
3: Ruth of West 81st Street. Huh? I'm the greatest! Maybe you wouldn't call that love but then maybe you don't know any more than anybody else knows about love
1: god help bobby and helen they're in love in needle park
7: panic in needle park panic
0: in needle yes uh-huh with Jerry Schatzberg directing, I think it was his first big yep. film too, Al's first big film, and um, my late husband Richard Bright played Al Pacino's brother in the film. But I, I didn't know Richard at the time. We didn't work together. We didn't have any scenes together. But it was uh, it was it was all the early people that were starting out and really were unknown. I mean. Nobody knew who Al Pacino was when he made Panic and Needle Park by the way, I really think Panic and needle Park excuse really me stands out as uh, stands up and out as one of the best anti drug movies ever made and at one point, I think there was a move that they should show that movie in all the the high schools in the country i don 't know how far they got with that, but that would have been a really good movie to show because it it was very i thought very authentic about. Uh, the drug life, right. and Jerry Schatzberg, I know, is still very proud of the movie. So it was—it's sort of one of those uh, iconic movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that lot, lot of people don't know about, but it—it's it, really—it's uh, really—it uh, still stands up. That movie, it really holds up. I think
6: it's just amazing. Of the, I mean, like you mentioned, when you got started, Al Pacino, nobody knew Robert De Niro, and. It, you have something for the rest of your life that you can say. Look, we all started together. And I yeah, think we did
0: start together. And uh-huh. that's just
6: amazing it's, it's... to hear. It really is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? You know. Yeah, so, right. You start out early. You don't know. You know. You're going like, oh, you know, just, you're you're really just another actor, another colleague. And you're working together, and you don't think beyond that. So right. it's kind of amazing how things reveal themselves later on, and and who gets, you know, who gets what kind of breaks and where the career goes. But it's never, sometimes it's never the people you think it is. So it's really interesting how things are kind of how things work out.
6: Yeah, it's it's very just, interesting. It's an amazing early career. I mean, yeah. it's something to really sink your teeth in and say yeah you know I was there back when we all got started it was just I'm just baffled by when I came across to you, your resume on IMDB I mean for the the people who you work with I mean you were right there in the beginning and I think that's what yes. makes you an iconic in
7: film
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I'm you babbling thank you for, for saying yeah. that that was that's yeah. very nice
7: no problem once again it had uh, quite a cast Al Pacino Kitty Ween Joe Santos, Paul Savino, so all these actors. Joe that, uh, Santos
0: was in my acting class for a couple of years. We were with the same acting really? teacher. So, yeah, he was driving a cab at the time. He would stop the cab and go up to the acting class and do the scene, then go back and and uh, and drive the cab again. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
7: yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one, I'd like to move on to seventy-three. Everybody knows this film, The Long Goodbye. Robert Oldman. Hey, hey, Mrs. Wade.
5: There's a long goodbye marlo no my name is sydney uh jenkins come on let's go inside here, marlo We you... want to talk to you oh is this where i'm supposed to say what is all this about and he says uh, shut up i ask the question yeah yeah that's right
1: and it happens every day right profile sit down what the hell are
6: you doing here yeah, that's right i'm gonna really how i love you how
1: when some passerby invites your eye to come her way There's going to be a lot of people looking for me as a result of my lovely wife. It was a murderer, he murdered his wife.
6: That's a lie. I know he didn't
7: kill her. I'll tell you It's a minor crime a minor crime misdemeanor to kill your wife. The
1: major crime is he stole my money. Your friend stole my money, and the penalty for that is capital punishment. Even as she smiles a quick hello, you let her go.
3: I like your face, too. Could you find my husband for me, please, Mr. Mahler?
1: You let the moment fly. I'm a man cannot stand confinement. Who
5: the hell are you? Well, I'm this here private investigator who was sent here this afternoon to uh, find you. Did you come here to see me or my wife? It's
7: not his business.
5: Write the check, Roger. What, check? Write
1: the check,
7: Roger. Whoa. Too late you
5: turn your head.
1: You know you said a long goodbye
5: level air you're a born loser what do you think mabel Ow! if you have any trouble i'll back you up i have fresh evidence now for you to reopen the terry lennox case you ever think about suicide marlboro me i don't believe in it
1: don't you try to be nice to me now i'm leaving and it's goodbye i'm
7: running after you in the rain when you're catching a plane, no more goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. I'm through, I'm through, time, i, mean, I mean. Do you tell us a bit about that one? Elliot Gould.
0: Sterling Hayden.
7: hmm Henry yeah. Gibson.
0: Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quite, quite a few, you know, quite a few wonderful people in that movie. Yeah, um, David
7: Carradine.
0: Oh, yes, yeah, that's right. I forgot about David Carradine. He's in the movie in the jail sequence, right. That's right. Anina Van Pallant, who, who was, um, who was the lover of uh, Clifford Irving, who wrote that scandalous, untrue book about Howard Hughes. And then she, she, uh, she, she turned on him. She actually, she was the one that turned, that turned him in so she could be on the cover of Life Magazine. And, and Bob saw her on the cover of Life Magazine and thought she was perfect for the part. So, There you go. That's how it's interesting how sometimes how you get cast. And then I thought it was funny when she went on the Johnny Carson show, and her the song she sang was "You've Got a Friend." And I thought that's so ironic. She just betrayed Clifford Irving, her lover. (laughs) She's singing the song "You've Got a Friend" on Johnny Carson. So I thought, oh wow, that's far out. But she she was a lovely, beautiful woman. So. Bob thought she was perfect for the he wanted somebody so but he also, you know, liked the fact that she was in the scandal and all of that stuff. At that time she was like a person of interest and I think he wanted to have her in the movie because of that.
6: You're right. And I just noticed that Arnold Schwarzenegger is yeah, in it.
0: <laughs>
6: wow. Was he yeah, a movie? Uncredited, yeah. Who in the Augustine's office. It's crazy.
0: Oh, my gosh, I didn't know, even know that. Carl Godley. That <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh, yeah. I didn't, oh, my gosh, now that, that came as a surprise to me because I, I didn't know that. Right
7: <laughs> yeah, <here. laughs> wow. Next one we move on to from 73, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid.
4: William H. Bonney. He killed 21 men. I don't want to kill you, Bill. No, I sure hope you don't, Billy. And he was just a kid. Billy the Kid. You take this. My luck's running good. Patrick F. Garrett. He was the most dangerous outlaw in the territory. So they made him sheriff.
1: It's pretty fair shooting for an old married man. Just lucky I guess. He
4: Pat Garrett had just one sure. friend. Hey, Billy. Billy the Kid. And just one job. Kill him. Now, Sam Peckinpah, the director who unleashed the Wild Bunch, takes a hard new look at two old friends, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. They were legends in their own
1: time. Times have changed. Times, maybe. Not me. Get
5: to it. One, two, three, four... Five. Six.
3: I hope he gets it away.
1: Well, he won't. It's gonna be a loose rope and a long drop. Well, I aim to bring the kid in. And I'm aiming to please him. you will track you down, Billy. And get you. You know, this ain't no time here to go looking for somebody. I don't know where he went. You gotta do better than that, Ruthie. Well, I got to the point where I don't do nothing for nobody unless there's a piece of gold attached to it. <gasps> Where
0: is he? Fort Sumner! Fort Sumner.
1: Where are we going, anyway? Fort Sumner. Pat,
0: yeah, I know
1: where the kid's at. I'll tell you where he's at. Oh, Pat ain't gonna like this.
4: James Coburn. Bill! Chris Christopherson.
1: Come on in, Pat.
4: Jason Robards. Slim Pickens. <laughs> Katy Corrado. Jack Elam. That'd be me, Sheriff. Rita Coolidge chill wills, yeah. and introducing in his first dramatic motion picture performance, <clears throat> plums. recording star Bob Dylan. They say that Pat gets got your number, <laughs> oh,
2: sleep with one eye open when you wonder.
1: He yeah, killed me, too. Sheriff Pat Garrett.
4: Adios. Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Legends in their own time. But time
0: was running out. Well, there was nobody like Sam Peckinpah. He was an original. And um, he made some wonderful movies, and he stayed a friend of mine until the end. He he was an interesting guy, drank too much and did too many drugs, hurt his health. But he was, at the same time, one of these people that, I I think he was the real deal. He was just authentic and and wonderful and of course i'd always dreamed of doing a western um and to go down the movie was shot in durango mexico and they had built this western town and and going on that set and and having uh you know, so this is like a dream come true and a real, i'm in a western i thought oh my god this is fabulous so i mean i liked working with uh, sam he sam was a person that if if he asked your opinion it was different from his if you if you gave your opinion, you would often wind up in uh, either getting fired, or uh, if you didn't agree with him, or, or you'd be on the enemy's list. So you had to be really careful, oh. <laughs> not just not to say anything. He, when Sam asks you a, your opinion on something, you, it's uh, whatever you think, you know. <laughs> whatever, whatever you
2: think. I agree, yeah? King. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, well, he wasn't he wasn't kingly, but he didn't he wanted he didn't want you to know, have an opinion different from his on the film i mean i don't know how it was in, in life it was different you could have an opinion. but while you were working he wanted you to be loyal to him and, and agree with him and do what you know what he thought but i, I liked Sam and we really remained friends through until i actually saw him about two or three weeks before he died he was in new york doing a uh, julian lennon video music video and he was staying at the Algonquin hotel and we went up and uh, visited with him and spent a lot of time with him and he I don't think he wanted to do the he was doing the video just to get some money right
2: um,
0: and uh he he was writing a he was finishing writing a uh a screenplay he said you're going to be in it and I said oh great and and then of course two three weeks later he died of a heart attack so um, that was very sad it was really a sad sad thing because i i like sam a lot right. I, I really liked him
6: rest in peace you know
0: yeah <laughs>
6: wow well the, the, another film that um in 73 was scarecrow
0: you think crows are scared of a
1: scarecrow crows are laughing crows are laughing that's right crows fly by they see that makes them laugh Two be- You right us! Behold, the captains of industry. The prospective owners of Maxie's Car Wash, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You need Maxie's car wash. Car wash? Yeah. Okay. For every car there is dirt. Max and Lion. The only difference between them and the Rockefellers is a few hundred million dollars. And about 1500 miles first off there's max i gotta tell you something about me i not to, to sound alive, you know I, mean? yeah. I don't trust anybody i don't love anybody <laughs> hey we're gonna be partners okay okay all right come on max did six years in prison for beating the hell out of a guy and it didn't teach him a thing okay all right no max just one way It's one way get okay. out believe it or not Max is the brains of the partnership. Oh, all me. Plastic pipe for durability. $600. And then there's Lion. I think your specialty is going to be waxing. Waxing? waxing. No, no, and um, keeping the customers happy. Lion figures if you can make somebody laugh, you won't ever need to fight.
2: Come on, Why did you, you call? Stupid bro. Oh, get out of car. here. Hey, Max!
1: Hey, Max! Boy lion is a scarecrow that's
7: right who's laughing no you don't have to hit people not if you make them laugh no crows are not scared believe me
1: uh, crows are scared no and the uh, uh crows are laughing crows are laughing right you know in the joint i heard some tales man oh boy howdy i i heard some tall tales uh, i mean uh, you're not playing with the full deck man been five years you know your wife might be married she might have moved away why don't you give her a call look i want to see my kid right what am i going to do shove the lamp
3: through the phone sure sure send the money and see the world annie
7: please look let me come over
3: i don't want to see you
1: max and lion the prospective owners of Maxie's car wash all they have to do is get to pittsburgh but between california and pennsylvania there are a lot of ups Ah! Drinks on the house
2: for everybody!
1: And a lot of downs. Max and Lion, the future owners of Maxie's Car Wash, Pittsburgh, PA.
7: Good
0: night, world. That's another Jerry Schatzberg film with Al Pacino and Gene Hackman. Very underrated film.
7: Yeah, I love that film. I I was telling Gruesome a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yes, it it really is an underrated film. I don't know what, you know, sometimes you don't know why films make it or don't make it, but it's very well done. The wonderful cinematographer, Vilmos Dixmund, shot it we shot in my scenes stuff in Colorado a lot of the stuff was shot in Colorado and um, so I flew in for a, I think a week and Gene Hackman was just a love also he's he was um, you know he was we were all staying in this hotel with this little restaurant so we sort of got to spend a little time with each other in between you know with whatever after the shoot you know, or breakfast in the morning and Al, of course, was excited, and that was his second. Well, I don't know if it's his second film, but it's the second time he worked with Jerry, and they had a very good working relationship. So, cool. but because it started in Panic in Needle Park, so, so uh, you know, Al is always very professional and lovely to work with. He's he's just a true professional.
7: Cool. Um, we move on to 1978 and the fury
0: oh the fury was the third movie i'd done with brian and we shot that in los angeles um and i was on that for mm, a little over a week or something a lot of my so, several of my scenes in that movie were cut that's the thing about films that you never know what's in and what's out Right. but that starred amy irving and she was at the time was married to steven spielberg and Brian and Stephen were really good friends, I, and I, I have a feeling that's one of the reasons she got the part. Um, but she was very good in it, of course, and 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 that was a film that that was another film. You know, it led up to the kind of movies I think that Brian eventually wound up doing, which would be Hitchcockian kind of. Intrigue films with right in and out, I, actually, I was supposed to do earlier. I was supposed to do phantom of the Opera with Brian with uh with uh, uh, that wonderful singer Paul Williams, oh yeah news and but I couldn't get out. I was doing a movie of the week, and I couldn't get out of the contract to go shoot in Texas. They were shooting in Texas, I think, so I missed doing that. that would have been. But, uh, so then this fury afterwards the fury came up, so that's when Brian said, "I'd like you to be in this movie." and I said, "Of course, you know i mean i i I like brian i I like working with him, I think people think a lot of people think he's remote or moved, he doesn't talk, and that's true, but you know when you knew when you've known someone at the beginning it it doesn't matter if they don't talk to you. it's like you kind of know them. There's a kind of a shorthand in in speaking with them or not speaking with them. I'm very comfortable being around Brian. Right. and a lot of a lot of people aren't but that's you know because they don't they they haven't spent the time with him
6: right so right. you were there from the start so it's pretty
0: yeah i was there from the start so i'm very whether brian talks to me or not talks to me I'm, I'm very comfortable being around him so it doesn't matter he'll he'll say you know he won't say much unless he thinks you're going off track so he kind of trusts the actors to do what they're going to do and if, unless you're going off track or doing something he doesn't feel like he's intrude. So, I mean, some actors don't like that. Some actors like to be talked to all the time. It's just that people are different. Director styles are different. You know, how they work is different. So every every time you go on a set, you, it's going to be a, a, sort of a different experience because you're dealing with people and you're dealing with individuals and they are, people are different. And yeah, personalities, so. yep. personalities, yep. Personalities, exactly,
6: yep. exactly. Well, here's a hidden gem um deadly hero in 75
0: oh my god
6: (laughs) (laughs) love this film uh
0: chuck chuck uh the uh i'm just blocking his name now he was partners with brian on on uh, greetings and hi mom so he was producing that movie and he so he asked me if i if i could do a, a part in it and i said of course i played the shoplifter with uh that Don Murray catches. Yeah. So yeah, so it it was it was fun. We shot that in New York and it was a pretty quick shoot. Um, so Hirsch, Chuck Hirsch. Yep. I knew it would come back to me. Uh so that's how sort of how I got involved in that film.
6: Yeah greats like James Earl Jones and Treat Williams.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
6: Danny DeVito <laughs>
0: Yeah, you forget. I forget that Danny DeVito was in that. I knew Treat was. Uh, you know, it's really interesting because see, I didn't work with them, so I only worked with John Murray. So I didn't know. I didn't realize the other people were in it. Yeah,
6: yeah. not that yeah. crazy? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
6: <laughs> well, obviously, then the next film I know
7: everybody
6: talks to you about. Everybody in the in the world, the Deer Hunter and seventy eight. This movie is an iconic film for no matter what genre you love, Deer Hunter always comes out in the conversation.
3: Is what it's all about. Deer has to be taken with one shot.
1: Blessed is the kingdom of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
2: Listen to me. You wanna stay down here and die? I love them and I, I know that it'll never be the same.
1: It. What's the matter with you?
3: Don't you recognize me? Yeah.
6: Your experience well, is in deer hunter.
0: Well, I um. I absolutely loved working with Michael Cimino. I thought he was just wonderful. And um, I got in to see Michael because Bobby really recommended me. So I got in to see Michael, and I had a meeting with him just one-on-one. We talked maybe for half an hour. And, see, the directors don't do that anymore. And uh, in those years, the directors met with the actors. I don't know how it is in England or somewhere else, it may be different, but what I've noticed has happened, and it's very sad for me, is that the directors used to be in on, especially on the final auditions and the callbacks, the director was always there and he'd work with you, he'd see if he could work with you and he'd talk to you and get a sense of who you are as a person, as an actor, uh, and today, you never see the directors, they don't, they're not there, it's some, casting director or an assist, or even worse yet the assistant to casting director that videotapes you and so i think it's a real loss i think directors are really i think it's a their loss that they don't get they don't see the actors anymore they don't they don't get a feel for them see when i met michael Chimino, we talked for half an hour just the two of us one-on-one on one. there wasn't anybody there and that's how he cast me he thought you know we had this conversation and he thought about it and a couple of I think it was a week later he must have he must have seen other people too it wasn't just me right. but of all the people he saw he thought I was really white for the film and then I got booked unfortunately that doesn't happen anymore I mean in early films I also worked with Eli Kazan on his last film the last tycoon that might not everything I have is not everything I've done is on IMDB by the way um, but I worked with Kazan and Kazan was like that you walked in it was just him and you right. that's how it was and he made up his mind about his actors uh, i mean i think it was bigger parts i think uh, he spent a lot more time with you but on the smaller parts it was like a 15 minutes or something he talked to you and then he just he would decide right then and there if you would if you were right or not and right. and that's what the directors did michael Chimino did that so once he decided i remember when we were um learning those couple of those russian dances we did at at the wedding and we had this russian teacher who is, has this dance group over there and so we spent, all of us spent like two, we had we had two hours in the afternoon to learn these dances. And she said, you can't possibly learn these dances because it takes people months to learn these dances. And we said, well, we've got to have these dances. We're shooting tomorrow, so oh let's God. learn them. And so we did. And, you know, we, we spent all afternoon, all night in the halls doing these dances together. And I said to Michael, I said, well, what made you think that we could learn this? This, this is what the teachers. What made you think we could do it? He said, "Well, I have complete and total trust in you. And I knew you could do it." So I mean, that's once he decided you you were, you know, he said you you were what he wanted. He had just trusted you right. to to do it, and and uh, so I, I miss I miss that part of the business. Today. I miss that. That interaction with the director, and also, you know, you go in for an audition and you think, well, this is the way I see it, and this is the way I I, I do it. But maybe the director doesn't see it that way. And if he can say to you, "Ratanya, you know, you did it this way, but I'd like to see it more this way," right? And, and right. then you can say, "Oh, great! I can I can do it that way." So he sees that you've got the versatility, and you can you can do you. He can be you can be directed by him. And, and, and it was, it's a, it was a whole different ballgame. Now I, I go in, I, I haven't met a director in years. It's all this video thing. And, uh, so I think there's a big loss. Anyway, Michael was wonderful. He, uh, we were shooting in my, the wedding sequence and the, and the, and the funeral sequence, which is the first third and last third film. We shot in, uh, Weirton, West Virginia, Steubenville, Ohio, and for the wedding sequence we went into Cleveland. That's an actual church and an actual hall there. So we were in the middle of a heat wave. It was very, very hot. 115, 120 degrees. It was like a record heat wave. So we shot that movie all, even the, in the uh, scene at the end with all our winter coats on. It was very, very, very hot. but. You know, we were all, with a group of actors that at that time in that film, we all pulled together. We were truly colleagues. There were no big egos. There was no, you know, prima donnas. We were just, however many friends we were, we were just friends in that movie. And, And I think that's one of the reasons that movie worked. Another reason I think it worked is, we got there a uh, week early in the middle of the heat wave, in the middle of nowhere, this Holiday Inn, and uh, so we were literally eating together, all having breakfast together, talking together, doing stuff together. So by the time we got on that set, we were friends. We, right. we had spent some time together.
2: Chemistry. And
0: again, I think that's Michael Chimina's brilliance, that he really did that. We just didn't come on the set and say, Hi, I'm, I'm with Johnny, how are you? And uh so it was really a group of actors that were that were truly colleagues that worked together to make that movie believable. And 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 I think the reason that movie holds up today is not just Michael's brilliant script and his direction, but I think it's all the actors that contributed to the movie. And when when we le- when they left in Cleveland when we finished the. The wedding, and then we shot the the funeral sequence, and then the, the main guys, John Savage, uh, Bobby, and Chris Walken, left it for Thailand to do the war the war scenes. Well, I was very uh, when I saw them go because I was they went first, and then they, somebody picked me up, and I went back to New York. I was like really, I remember my heart kind of sank as I saw them go. It was like I truly felt deeply, deeply sad because i would had this wonderful experience working with them. And
2: right.
0: So it was, it was sort of an unusual, wonderful time and special time. I think it was one of my favorite times ever working on a film. We were all on location, too, which helps. If you're on location, I think it brings you closer together.
2: Right.
0: Uh, if you're if you're shooting something in New York or people live in Los Angeles, they go home and they come back and they go home. So it's a different experience on location if you're there for any length of time because you're sort of Bond in a different way. You just don't go home and then come back. Right. Everybody stays at the pretty much the same hotel, and you you eat a meal together, and it's sort of a different a different experience, and that's what it was on Deer Hunter. Cool.
6: That's a beautiful experience you explained. I I can imagine, you know, working together, eating together, you know that time that time period, and what you felt like a best friend leaving, and you might not see him again. It's just
0: yeah, it's just yeah, an exactly. amazing experience. Cool. It was. It was that experience. All
6: right. Well, the next one I know, it's a pretty, pretty much of a, an iconic film, and uh, I guess you can say in the horror genre is When a Stranger Calls in 79.
0: Uh, yes. Well, that was a Fred Walton's, I think, first film. Fred had made a 10- or 15-minute short. Fred came somewhere from the Midwest. So he wrote this story, and he made this 10-minute presentation film, shopped around the studios to see who would he needed like a million dollars or something to make this movie and so because of that uh somebody saw that he's 10 minutes and they said they read the script and they said well we'll finance it it was a low-budget movie and and that's how i i became involved I, i went up to audition for the part and um and fred was very very lovely sweet it was his baby it was a huge hit yeah. Uh, at the time, and and I think Fred did one more movie, and then he, qu- I think he quit the business. He, I know he he moved to, to Portland, Oregon with his family. I don't know what he's doing now, but he he didn't he didn't continue in in the in his career.
6: Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I guess I I guess he got his big baby out and and
0: well uh, I I i think he thought hollywood was a bad place to raise his family i think that was part of it and and his he had a really good relationship with his wife and i think they decided that they 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 didn't want to be part of it anymore and so i think they went a different way now i don't know what he's doing now i'd be curious to to know i i know that they moved the last i heard from them because i did get a couple of christmas cards we corresponded but then we lost touch. They were living in Portland, Oregon.
6: Well, I know he did another horror film in 86. That was very popular. That was April Fool's Day.
0: That's right. You're right. He did. And but then he did a did bunch of TV
6: movies from there on. And from, I guess from... He did a Miami Vice TV series one episode, and then he went the whole way up to 96, all bunch of TV movies, and then that was the last we heard of him, so...
0: Oh, interesting. See, I didn't know he did the TV movies. Yeah, but I think he was—he was—he was, he flew in out of—he was based out of Portland, and he flew in. You know, I don't know what—I—I I don't know. He was a lovely man, and—and and it was—it was—it um, was surprising to me how how well that movie did. I, I don't—you know—you're on a set, and you never know, and right. you think—you think—you know, it's you don't know it's 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 hit and miss some movies you think you're going to be do well and they don't do well and then other movies like I thought uh, that second movie with, with uh, that I did with Jerry Schatzberg was going to be a big movie the one with Alan Jean Heckman and then it wasn't and this movie that I thought was going to be an okay movie turned into a, like a big money maker movie
2: <laughs> it's weird. very well
0: done so yeah. you don't know I, did, I didn't think this was going to be such a big film but it, it did turn out to be a
6: big film. Christmas Evil in 1980. Now, that's a corny movie. It's a trauma movie. It's, uh, I saw it. <laughs> Your experiences as Teresa in the Christmas Evil.
0: We were shooting in New York in really, really cold weather icy thing. My, my experience, the only thing I remember about that movie is we <laughs> were shooting on ice and I fell and hit my head so hard. I had a <sighs> headache for like a week. I didn't I wasn't smart enough to go to the emergency room and see what but I'm sure I had a concussion. Uh, and that's all <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
6: There's a story. Concussion. Next <laughs> I tell you one that, that, that was really popular it was Mommy Dearest in eighty one.
5: great lady, Miss Joan Crawford.
4: You know what's missing in my life?
5: Come on, you've got everything you want.
3: No, I don't. I want a baby.
5: Out of the question.
3: Don't you dare judge me. We have a moral and legal responsibility. What you're really doing is denying
5: one of your children the opportunity to live a wonderful and advantaged life. You're a lucky little girl and very expensive. You cost me a lot of favors.
3: Christina, darling. I'm gonna make a perfect life for you.
4: Are
5: you having a happy birthday, Christina, darling?
4: This is the best party I ever
5: had. I love you, Mommy, dearest. I love you, Tina, darling.
4: You lost again. It's not fair. You're bigger than I am. Ah, but nobody ever said that life was fair, Tina. I will always beat you. And I'm not gonna play with you anymore, ever. I'll tell you what you're gonna do. You're gonna march yourself upstairs to your room and
5: will stay there. No, I won't. Yes, you will.
3: Sorry,
5: mommy. Dearest, you, you are not getting up from this table until you have finished that meat. Have I ever lied to you in your whole career? Or given you one piece of bad advice? Your treatment of me has been devised. Good. I want you to leave Metro.
3: My wonderful friends.
5: Leave Metro. Your pictures one after another are losing money.
3: Who made
5: me be star. Theater owners voted you box office poison.
2: Making fun of me? No!
5: Ah! It. It's it's just like I you I no. you mayor should know the price I pay Truth is you're getting old You're nothing but a rotten crooked lawyer The
1: biggest female
4: star he's got Look at this floor Do you think it's clean? Look at this floor You
2: and me
5: together Screw up What's wire hangers doing in this closet? What I told you? No wire hangers ever!
4: Three hundred dollar dress on a wire hanger. We'll see how many you got in. We're gonna see how many wire hangers you got in your closet. Tell
5: me what. Yes, mommy, dearest.
4: I asked you to call me that I
2: wanted you to mean it
1: Joan Crawford the most dramatic role of her life was her life Frank Yablons presents Faye
6: Dunaway as Joan Crawford in Mommy Dearest You played Carol Ann
0: well, Mommy Dearest is amazing because that movie is more popular now than ever.
2: <laughs> yep. Uh huh.
0: I mean, it has become a cult film. It has it has outdone the Rocky Horror Show. I was just in uh, San Francisco at the Castro Theater this year in May, and Mark Hustis, the producer, brought me in for uh, an evening of Mommy Dearest. And I was reading from my diary, which hopefully will be published next year. It's at the, it's at the agent now. So I was reading from a diary I kept because I was on that movie for three and a half months. I was on that movie from day one to the very last day of shooting was my one of my scenes. So I was on that whole movie, and it was very, very, uh, what's the word? Uh, Not traumatic, but it was like there was a lot going on, and I started (laughs) journaling. I, I started journaling because I, I journaled in my dressing room. with journal because it kind of kept me level-headed by writing right. it down. It sort of so it's the only movie I've ever journaled in. It's the only thing I've ever journaled, and so I journaled the whole three and a half months. And so I read from my diary at the Castro Theater. By the way, I sold out the whole theater, which is eighteen hundred seats. And down the street, they were doing a thing with the Rocky Horror thing, and they only sold out half their theater. That's when Mark said, we are bigger than a Rocky Horror show, which is kind of hard to, to imagine, but it is, it's a huge cult following. I could have sold 1,800 books that night. Wow. People, it's on, it's on YouTube. You can YouTube it, Ritania Alder at the Castro Theater. Uh, Mark, Mark put in a seven or eight minute clip, and you can just see the absolute the gay community is so totally supportive of this movie that they have made it an event. I did, uh, after that I did a thing at the Clearview Cinema in New York City with Hedda Lettuce, who is, is absolutely fabulous entertainer, comedian. She hosts these movie things that she's so witty and funny. And so we sold out the Clearview Theater, and people were waiting in line and were wow. upset and they couldn't get a ticket. Then they've already booked me next year for the Ziegfeld Theater, which is another 1,800-seat theater in New York.
2: Nice. So, uh,
0: the Mommy Dearest phenomena, who knew? <laughs> who, I mean, I, who knew this would, who knew that, it, I could never imagine that this movie would be more popular now than it was. And it's an event. When you go through this movie, the audience knows all the lines. And they <laughs> shout them back. It's an, it, That's why I say it's an event. I took my friend to the previous thing. He'd never seen it. And he said, I've never laughed so hard in my life because the audience makes it a happening and, and with Hedda and her wit. And also, when I was reading to my diary, that audience loved it and made it a happening. It's, and, and then, of course, they showed the movie and the movie was people know the lines and they shout the lines back at you and they they know all the lines they know the lines better than I know and so it's just an amazing amazing ph- phenomenon so that's when I was at the Castro I thought and I got this reaction from my diary I thought oh my gosh I've got to publish this so I was lucky enough to find an agent in New York a literary agent that saw the audience potential in this book and loved the book and so it's being being presented to like 15 publishers in the next he's putting together the proposal so it's going to go out to 15 publishers so I hope one of them picks it up and it's published I think it takes probably a year or hopefully less because the the audience is right now but it it was an interesting interesting experience that I you really almost have to read the book to understand the experience
6: I definitely will Uh, and,
0: and the difficulties that were presented and the challenges that were presented by, by Faye Dunaway that that really um, affected everyone working on the movie. <laughs> that's amazing. I but, mean, not just the actors but the people behind the scenes. Right. The director and the producer and everybody. Wow. Like, that is a really good film.
6: It is. Because I can remember back when the VHS era became very popular around 83. I can remember my my mom written that movie, so I can remember watching that. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but it's you know the story about Joan Crawford. It's it's never ending. I mean, it's that's why it's so popular.
0: And and she's bigger than ever. People love. I mean, there's a whole following that she's mm-hmm. got now, Joan Crawford. I mean, she would be, I think, stunned too, that you know, twenty five years, thirty years <laughs> after her death, she's more popular than, than ever. She got a, a huge following. It's like. It is one of these things that you could never, in your wildest dreams, have thought of, or, or I mean, I wouldn't have. I would never have expected this movie to have the legs that it's had. And so, yes, one of the things, interesting things about this business, you just don't know. You don't know. Like. And the and
6: the next <laughs> <don't> film, <laughs> the, the the next film, you're probably going to disagree. But I know this next film is a is a slasher film, and it's well well liked. Girls' Night Out Two.
0: Oh, uh, people love Girls Night Out, isn't it? I amazing? have that
6: film. I have it right here in front of me. I love this film. So
0: we shot that movie in three days nonstop. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, right <laughs> there. I mean, nobody slept. We all slept. in, I mean, it was like a nickel and dime movie. They still owe me money on that movie. They haven't paid me on that movie. Wow. I still haven't gotten paid for it. They said <laughs> they would pay five thousand dollars. I haven't seen a nickel of it so there you go somebody's making the money but it's not the actor <laughs> <laughs> the actor got screwed again
6: it sucks it but...
0: sucks <laughs> it really I mean, I mean really honestly they, they could pony up uh, you know but it, it, but it was shot in three days literally he was sleeping on some sort of pillows in the back you know and could sleep whenever they could and then came back and you know finished it and it was like hectic and uh yeah, it's like it a non-stop, up for three days in a row shooting that movie.
5: Wow.
2: But
0: it has a following. It's like mm. a really amazing.
5: Yeah. The night of February 5th, 1976, George and Kathleen Lutz and their three children fled their home in Amityville, New York, and never returned. For them, the horror was over. Their living nightmare shocked audiences around the world in the Amityville horror. But before them, another family lived in this house and were caught by the original evil. The Lutzes escaped with their lives, but the previous owners weren't so lucky.
2: Look at it. oh, it's ours.
0: It's ours! Heavenly Father. Bless our new home and watch over us as we become a part of the. For the Montelli
5: family, it was their dream house until it turned into a nightmare.
2: Who's
5: there? What was in this house? What evil could drive their son to madness and destroy everything and everyone he loved? Amityville too, the possession. Oh, yeah. Amityville Two, the Possession.
0: Was uh, a friend of mine who was casting the film, Ricardo Bertoni, had seen me in a play on 42nd Street and saw Mommy Dearest and saw me a couple of things and he thought I should be, I'll be right for the part. So he had me, in along with uh, many other people, of course, for a meeting with Dino De Laurentiis. So I went to meet with him and, and he was in a very large room behind a big desk and um so Ricardo, I sit down and, and Dino you know, Deventa says to Ricardo something in Italian, da 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 da, da da da, da. and Ricardo says la, la 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 la, and they have this conversation in Italian, which makes me angry that I didn't study Italian instead of studying <laughs> Latin school. I mean, who, who uses Latin? But anyway, so afterwards they're, they're, Answering back and forth in Italian, and so uh, you know, who spoke English very well. Said thank you very much, and so I got up and left. And Ricardo says, "I uh, walked me out." He said, uh, "They want he wants you to screen test." So I went to screen test for a, a scene. It was very kind of an emotional scene. It, it went really, really well. And so this was the day before cell phones. Uh, and I went to a restaurant and had some coffee and something and then I called into my answering machine and an emergency call Ricardo says call me mom emergency emergency so I called him back and he says the sound goofed up there's no sound on your on your audition and you've got to come right back and do it again and I said oh my gosh I don't know if I can do as well as I did before <clears throat> so I'm going back and I, I did another take the sound worked the time they checked the sound worked it was pretty good and then within a week I, I got cast. And so, uh, the, they put together the whole family. Of course, Bert Young was the father, I was the wife, Diane Franklin was the daughter, Jack Magner was the son, and the two little cat, cat's kids were the two younger kids. And so we shot the exterior of that, of the house was shot in Tom's River, New Jersey. They, they made, they built the exterior on this house, the windows, and it was all built. Right. Uh, as a temporary set. And so we shot that, and then the rest of the film was shot in Mexico City at the Churubusco Studios. Because I don't know if it's true or not, but it was my what I was told was that Mr. De Laurentiis had a lot of money in Mexico he couldn't take out, so he had to use the Mexican. They had to shoot it there. He could get a good deal and everything. And the people in Mexico City at the studios built this incredible set. In, uh, and so, I mean, it was really wonderful. They built the whole house inside this one big stage. And so we were flown to Mexico City, and we were driven out to Chibrisco Studios every day and back. And um, the thing I remember about the movie is, Damiano Damiani, bless his heart, he just passed away recently. Yep. He, I think he he was the force that made that movie really good. Because he, European directors are wonderful at working with actors, I think. I mean, I've only worked with a couple of them, but they're actor-orientated. And they wanted... He he saw this film a certain way. He he saw the disintegration of the family. He saw the, the fight between good and evil. He saw the Catholic Church, because coming from Italy, he knew, was very familiar with the Catholicism. And... Also, he saw it as, as more than just the usual horror story. Because it's really, I feel it's a horror story for adults, teenagers or, or older people. I don't think it's good for the little kids. Uh, but I think there's a lot of psychological, psychological elements he put into this movie that were really the director. The director kind of channeled what he wanted into this. And I think Domiano was, huge um, contributor to this movie and to the work in this movie that he allowed the actors and he worked with the actors very strongly and um, so I, I attribute a lot of this, uh, the good work that came from this movie to him because we really treated it more than just a horror movie we treated it as an exploration of what happens to this disfun- when this family gets so dysfunctional and starts Ugh. falling apart And there's a lot of scenes in there that, not a lot of scenes, but several scenes that were cut. One of them was when Burt Young rapes me. And it's it's such a violent, uh, realistic scene, so well done. that I know when they previewed it for the audience, pre previewed it, that the audience was very, very upset about that scene. Of course, that's exactly what Domiana wanted. Right. Uh, But they cut it out because the audience, uh, was very uh, really really upset by the scene. So that was one scene that was cut out. I think there was another scene or two that's cut out, but I wasn't involved in. That was the one I was involved in because that was the one that that people were most upset about. And so um, I don't know if that scene exists. You know, sometimes they don't keep these they don't keep these films so very long. They I mean they don't keep the outtakes. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if the outtake on the rape scene is there. I'm not sure but um, also it's interesting because Quentin Tarantino has just named it one of the best remakes ever not, not best remakes the best sequels ever um, because it's really a prequel to the sequel but he's He's saying it's like uh, usually sequels don't work, and he thought this was an amazing sequel. So it's nice that we're being recognized again years later. That it stands out in the horror genre. I think it really stands out as it a does. really good film. It does. And I think people are were really really scared by it. I I've gotten a lot of audience reactions saying that they really they they really can't go to sleep after seeing that movie. Oh, wow. So that that's a I like that. <laughs> yeah. Well Burt
6: Young's performance pissed me off. He was a f- I was violent. A, I, so was I couldn't believe that. that. I mean, he's such a brilliant actor, but that role that he played in there, it's like you want him to die right then and there. I mean that's how it's
0: <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. how it
6: was you know, and it just Moses Gunn, God bless him, rest his soul, uh of
0: Yeah. And James Olson was wonderful. Yes. You know the thing with that cast also is, I think of that and I think of the Deer Hunter cast. This cast we all got along so well. It was just one of these casts that people liked each other. We liked working with each other. We tried to make the best scenes that we could work together. So it was one of these these um these experiences where people really were there for each other. And, and, and you kind of trust the other person, even though you're going through this, these very deep kind of disturbing scenes, you kind of trust that that other actor will be there to support you or to work with you. Right. And, uh, so I mean, I loved everybody on that, all the actors on that movie. I, I, I just adored working with them. And, uh, we were there, we were in Mexico City for a couple of months on this movie. Wow. And so we, we really, I remember it as, I mean, in spite of all this dark stuff that happened, I remember it as a very, um, positive experience for myself.
6: Well, I often wondered, um, why Jack Magner didn't have a, he just did this one and the Firestarter and that was it. I guess it wasn't his resume, wasn't his re- repertoire as far as acting?
0: No, I, I think it had to do with his family. He had a wife and some kids and, oh really? They were from Boston, yes, and, uh, and I think he chose his family over his career. I think he decided his family was more important. Well,
2: good for him.
0: His career, it's, yeah, it's very difficult when you're an actor and you, a lot of times you don't work for a year or a year and a half or longer. You have no money coming in. You have no income. And,
2: right.
0: And it's very hard if, if you are a person with a family. And I think he chose his family. He went and moved back to Boston where his own, his and his wife's family were. And um they they were very supportive they had three children and so I, he, he took another job And he, he, when I talked to him several years ago maybe that seven or eight years ago he said he never regretted it. he doesn't look back he never regretted uh, the decision he made and he said none of his kids want to be actors <laughs> oh wow
6: <laughs> so
0: I, I, I you know I, I think that's just what it was it, he just made personal choice and and uh and he chose his family over his career.
6: Yeah, Diane Franklin was a lovely... She had a uh, a very disturbing role in the movie with her brother in the movie.
0: Yes, she is just precious. And uh, and just I just saw her recently. We had lunch together. She was in New York doing something. So I just saw her, and it was wonderful. It was like... I, it's like Even though I hadn't seen her for years, it was like, I just saw her. You know, it was like right. we continued where we were. And she, She's lovely. you love... And she's a great talker. you love talking
6: with her. I loved her in um, Better <laughs> Off Dead too. <laughs> oh,
0: she's, she's, oh, she did so many wonderful things. And she's like... She's she's just... You know, she was the babe of the 80s. And she was the yep. babe, as far as I'm concerned. I think she's she's yep. just precious.
6: Yep. All right. Well, it's glad to ha- great to have you on. I can't wait to do a part two.
7: Last question, if you don't mind. I know you've got to go. Uh, are you a fan of horror movies?
0: Well... You know, yes and no. I mean I see them and I if it's a good horror movie I'll enjoy it. But um if it's if it's not, you know, I go I get bored. I think it's predictable. But a good horror movie, oh yeah, it's like riding a roller coaster. <laughs> <coughs> okay. I wanna scream along with the rest of them. <laughs> I get involved, I scream, right there I uh you know, I gasp and I do all those things, you know. <laughs> so I enjoy gonna, it.
7: Gonna put you on the spot now. And ask you if you can name your favorite horror movie.
0: Well, of course, Abbeville too. I'm not going <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no,
7: that's, all, three, all three of us are going, But you going know,
0: you know be, before then, I've got to say, Vincent Price and the House of Wax.
7: Oh, yes.
0: Yep, oh, my God. Choice. I saw that as a kid. I had nightmares about that movie for years. <laughs> I, still, I still think of it. I mean, that was a fabulous horror movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've got to say, for those of you who've never heard of it, check it out. It's like yeah. really good. Yep. It's really scary. But Psycho is like probably the that's the classic one for years after when I took a shower I was nervous <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> 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 probably the most superb it, it's a true classic I mean it is it is a great great film
6: well you are a superb wonderful young lady and a great guest And
0: I'm an I'm definitely... old lady but I'm, I'm, I'm superb thank you
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh come on thank <laughs> Rutania, I love you to death you're a great guest and I can't wait to have be back on again
0: all right darling we'll, we'll talk and, and, and set something up this, the end of, from the end of this month on I'll be uh, I, my schedule frees up a lot more
6: thank you very
7: much
0: all right thank you yep bye-bye and bye-bye. bye-bye John thank too you,
7: thank you
0: bye-bye. appreciate bye-bye. you
7: coming on Great
2: oh my
0: chat. pleasure take okay, care dear bye-bye
7: we'll see thank you. you bye you